Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and we've got an awesome show on tap for you guys today. Steve Weish of the NFL Network is joining me to kind of break down his overview for the Falcons 2022 season. Steve is somebody who I, you know, greatly respect in the industry. I have followed him for a long time, you know, former Atlanta Journal-Constitution writer now with the NFL Network, Um, you know, a little bit of a dream career path for Somebody like me growing up in Atlanta, wanting to get into the journalism uh, and media industry. And honestly, like (laughs) talking to somebody like him, seeing how efficiently, how effectively they condense their thoughts and really just make some points that I think we've been dancing around on this show for a little bit, but, but he did it succinctly, clearly. So I'm always in awe of somebody like that. And aspiring to hopefully be like that one day. Um, So I really, really do hope you enjoy this conversation. Again, it's meant to just kind of be a little bit of an overview of the 2022 season. Of course, game week is here. It's hate week. So we're going to be getting into much more of the nitty gritty, the details of kind of each game this season. But before we do that, I wanted to kind of get just a lay of the land, right? You know, get a a little bit of an overview of the season, just how things have changed since the end of January. Uh, you know, the draft, free agency, how has that changed the overall outlook for this Atlanta Falcons team that finds themselves in year two of steering the ship, right? I'm sure that there's a large crossover of Georgia fans on, on this podcast. Georgia Tech fans, you know, lo- have love for y'all too. You know, my wife used to work for Georgia Tech, so you guys are there as well. Um, But, you know, as a Georgia grad, I remember uh, covering Kirby Smart. And one thing that he said early on in his days, moving a football team, changing the culture is, is a lot like reorienting a large ship. And it doesn't happen all at once. It takes time. You have to turn it slowly. And that's kind of where I feel like the Falcons are. They've they've pivoted maybe 90 degrees, right? It's not a it's not a full 180. It's they're kind of reorienting. They're traveling north. Now they're traveling west and they're going to, you know, kind of make the full pivot around and head back down south because that's the direction they want to go in. You know, maybe I could have used north as, as the end direction there because that's a little more symbolic for things heading up. But I picked what I picked. Um, so I, I think that they're kind of year two, obviously, is, is going to be a little bit of a fulcrum year here. It's it's not. Fully, things are going in the right direction, but it's a lot like getting the the ingredients you want to make the recipe. You've got some of them. You don't have all of them. You're waiting for them to be in stock. And, and I think that once the Falcons have the finances this offseason, that is really when the pieces are all going to come together. But right now, it is kind of the mentality. It's the attitude. And I think Steve touched on that really, really well, um, especially talking about kind of Matt Ryan and you know, his departure is going to hurt the team in a lot of ways, but it could positively impact. And it's a little bit like he was the bandaid that you needed to rip off. I'm a huge Matt Ryan fan. I'm, I'm always going to be, you know, grateful for 
his time with the team and everything that he did here and what he accomplished. But it's a new era and it's a new chapter. And that is why this season is so fascinating to me to just kind of see, all right, fully, here's what you guys want this Falcons team to be. Arthur Smith, Terry Fano, here is, is what you want. You've chosen the players to bring back. You've chosen to re-sign guys to one-year deals. You've brought in now half of this roster, more than half. Maybe there's such a big amount of turnover, and that is one of the key consistent takeaways, I think, from a lot of people who cover this team closely is that there are so many new faces out there on the practice field. So let's see. Let's see what they can do. And the 2022 season is right here. It is finally upon us. It is no longer around the corner. It is here. So let's get into it. Let's see what can happen for this Atlanta Falcons team. And we're going to get into all of that with Steve Weish right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Want to live tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Very excited to have Steve Weish of the NFL Network joining us now to break down the Falcons kind of 2022 season, some oversight. So, Steve, let's just start right there. Um, the quarterback position obviously is the notable change, but I kind of wanted to ask you, what about this team is different and maybe in a positive way from the 2021 season? Obviously, this is a transition team, but you know, <laughs> what has changed for the better in 2022? Well, there's, there's clearly a blueprint now. Okay, since they traded away Matt Ryan, it is a blueprint of we are going to build from the ground floor up, right? Mm -hmm. So you have Marcus Mariota who's going to be your starting quarterback who's trying to resurrect his career. Desmond Ritter, a third-round draft pick quarterback, trying to start his career. And not Matt Ryan. So another thing than last year, which is very difficult for guys like Matt Ryan and guys on this team, is you had a new coaching staff. You had a new front office. What are we trying to do here? trying to build around a veteran QB who's been in for 13 years at the time. How is that going to work? Well, that question is no longer there. You've got a coaching staff and a front office. It's been around for two years. They know what they want to do here. And that is clearly this year they want to enhance some of the skill positions and enhance their edge rushers, as we saw during the draft. Didn't spend any money really in free agency. So, Again, you can. What's different being around this team is you feel now they understand their sense of purpose instead of wondering what that sense of purpose was, which I think was the case last year. I think that's a good way to frame it because it did always feel like, you know, if you if you take over a, a restaurant or something and you're a new management company, you kind of see it. You come in, you want to see how everything runs for a month, two months or so, and get a feel for how everything's operating and where you can clean some things up. And it did feel like the 2021 season was a, what do we have here to work with? What can stick? What can't? And what do we need to really change? It feels like this offseason, there was a, a really concerted effort to elevate the floor of, of kind of this roster, you know, mm -hmm. to maybe 
bolster some of these positions where an injury or two last year just completely decimated kind of a whole group. Where, where do you think those spots in particular were hit the most? Well, I think where they added depth is significant. Clearly is at linebacker uh, at edge. You saw that in the draft, you know, two, two edge guys in second and third Mm -hmm. round, uh, two linebackers. uh, I think both before the third round, uh, Trey Anderson and may, I may be wrong there, but, they added depth there. They added athleticism there. You know, the whole Deion Jones thing, you know, he started the season on IR. If they get any mm-hmm. calls to, to trade him, I think they're absolutely going to listen. Um, but, you know, I think they had some help in the secondary, getting Casey Hayward in free agency. Richie Grant looks like a different player in his second year at one of the safety spots. And look, you got an emerging talent in D. Alford. I mean, what a fine yeah. this was. Guy's probably going to be the starting nickel. You know, an undrafted guy who played in Canada – added about 15 pounds in the offseason, which is fantastic uh, in preseason. Now, how is that going to happen when he has to go up, you know, against the Jarvis Landry in week one, you know, yeah. or, or some guys like that or Taysom Hill, you know, in that role. So we'll see. But I think the one thing they've, they've done is they developed some of the guys from last year, like Ode, Ode Ogundeji yep. at one of the edge spots. They developed him. Okay, he's a solid first and second down edge guy. He can set the edge. He can do some things on the run. We'll bring in Arnold Ebicady to rush the passer, the rookie. So again, I, th- I think they've got a nice blend of young talent, enough veteran talent. You just have to wonder with the front end of that schedule, you know, how guys are going to hold up when it gets to be stressful in those final four minutes of a game. Yeah. And that that's a great point because you know, so much of a team's identity is really built in that first month, first and a half month of the season where, you know, the chemistry starts to come together, things like that, with it being so tough out of the gate for the Falcons. You know, when when does that message kind of start to falter? Does it start to falter? When do you make a change? And let's go right there to quarterback. You know, like Marcus Mariota, I don't think did anything to lose his job. If anything, I think he's cemented himself as the starter. But given the fact that Desmond Ritter had a great preseason, is kind of seemingly nipping at his heels a little bit based on his play. But I do think the coaching staff wants to pump the brakes a little bit on Desmond Ritter, give him some time to develop. What is your read on that whole situation? And is there a chance that we, you know, see Desmond Ritter before the, you know, certainly before the bye week in, in week 14, but before that kind of Thursday night game against Carolina, or everybody has that circled as kind of the date that they would expect to see Desmond Ritter? Is that still kind of in your mind the right date for him? Well, I think it depends on you know how Marcus is playing, what the record is. I mean, if the mm-hmm. team has got two wins by then, then you're going to make a move to see if you <laughs> can play. I mean, seriously, you're going to see if you can play because if you got two wins by then, then you're probably looking at a top five or six pick, and right. you, know, you just got to start to position yourself. But if Marcus comes out and plays well, then that's when the organization has to ask itself, okay, is this our long-term guy? And that's an interesting dilemma. It's an interesting dilemma. You got him for another year on that contract. Mm-hmm. You know, is he a long-term guy? Do we want to lock him down now? Do we want to play out that second year and and see what's going on? So that's, you know, but it's also a comfortable dilemma because if you get him for a second year, then you can fortify the rest of the roster around him because if you do make a move with a quarterback at a second year, you'll be walking to a much better situation. Same time, you want to find out if Desmond Ritter can play. Right. Um, and, and so they'll have some questions to answer. But a lot of it just depends on the ebb and flow of the season, the success of the team, and how well Marcus is playing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's important, you know, to note that we're having this conversation in the shadow of the Jimmy Garoppolo 
kind of news cycle that's happened. And, and that, I think, would be the fear for some fans where maybe Marcus Mariota has a good 2022 season is a little better than expected. But then at what point is is he what he has been? Does he revert back to that next year? They, like, I think that you don't have a true blue quarterback. That's where fans are kind of like, well, what is necessarily the ceiling? I think Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot would say that it's about the entirety of the 53 man roster and not just the quarterback position. But this is the NFL, and we know how important that one spot can be. Yeah, you got you got to get it. I mean, if you don't have a true blue quarterback at some time, you have to get one. That's why so many teams went bananas this year to <laughs> yeah. get quarterbacks. Even Cleveland, you know, doing what it did to secure Deshaun Watson, who's not going to play for eleven games. So, you know, again, that, that's a conundrum. I'm sure they'll they'll deal with when they have to. But as of right now, Marcus is the guy. Yeah, and if if they decide to go quarterback, you know they totally need to reset. First round picks seems likely if they have one of those high high picks. Good quarterback class it seems like right now. But let's talk about the last two first round picks for Atlanta. Kyle Pitts having a great training camp. Uh, Drake London had a good start to camp, and then obviously got got kind of dinged up on that first play of the preseason game. Um, but what did you see out of those two guys specifically, and how do you think that they're going to work in tandem here in Atlanta? Yeah, it, it, I saw a lot. I mean, the one thing you hear people talk about with Pitts and when you see him is the route running now. You know, last year mm-hmm. he was just learning an offense. He was learning the game. He was learning opposing personnel. Um, you know, they're not going to line him up in line and say, we need you to block 25 times a game like George Kittle. You're going to go out and you're going you're gonna to be Darren Waller, right? And that was my comp on him. Waller's faster, mm-hmm. um, but there's a guy who can get downfield. He can beat one-on-one coverages. He can make the 50-50 catches in double coverage. That's where Drake London's also going to draw some stuff off him because Drake London is as big as Calvin Johnson. Um, He can run. But what surprised me about Drake, you know, this is the basketball player. His feet, he's not like this big, tall, long strider. He's got those choppy feet where he can really hit a route. He was routing guys up all over the place in practice. So you add that plus the size, that means you got a ball control guy who can move the sticks. And you also have a guy who can hit the big play, as we saw on that catch against Detroit before he got hurt. Crossing route, caught it, good run after catch guy, and that's mm-hmm. what this offense is, um, especially with Marcus. You know, Marcus is going to play intermediate in. You know, Desmond Ritter, he's going to take some shots downfield. But right now, they just don't have that other threat um, that's going to make defenses feel uneasy about getting beat downfield. So they're going to face a lot of coverage right now, a lot of too high safety is going to keep everything in front of them. Um instead of facing like a lot of man-to-man and, and things like that to try to prevent some deep routes. Do you think that Fine, we and, are... And you, and you can win real quick, and you can win by paper cut in this league. Yeah. Right. You just got to have, you gotta have to have a running game to complement it, and that's the bigger issue with the Falcons. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's the, the two-faceted offense, right, to be able to kind of keep the defenses, to create that space where you can then paper cut them, but also have a quarterback that's, patient and willing to do that. I think Marcus is certainly patient and willing to kind of take what the defense is giving him. And then if it's not there, we've seen he doesn't mind tucking and running it. Do you think that we're overblowing kind of the added run element to this offense? Or do you think it's going to be a legitimate factor that they're going to incorporate the quarterback run game specifically? You have to incorporate it. You you know, why waste it when you got a guy like Marcus? I mean, people don't realize how fast he is, right? He's a big dude who can run. So you move the pocket now. And in the run game, a moving pocket creates natural natural run lanes, whether mm-hmm. for the quarterback, whether on the backside boot, or whether for the running back in this outside zone scheme. You have a mobile quarterback, right? So now the backside edge guy has to, has to wait and stay disciplined 
So that can create a natural run lane for a running back to flow one way and cut back the other. And that's why I think Tyler Algier, the rookie running back, is eventually going to flourish. I mean, you got to have some type of passing game to, to get out of these eight-man boxes. But he is a one-cut, downhill, loves contact. You know, one thing about the outside zones game, you know, there's going to be a, a safety or someone in the hole. You got to make a miss or you got to pound on him and break a tackle. And that's what Algier, and that's what Damian Williams does very well. You know, Cordell Patterson is going to be the guy to, you know, to get some of the splash play type designs. But, you know, you can't have him carry the ball 175 times again. You saw he right. wore down last year. And that's where Damian Williams, a good veteran, is going to help. And I think Algier eventually is going to be someone who's really going to shine this offensive line can and the offense overall can at least not make them a one-dimensional team are, are you optimistic that the offensive line can do that this year it depends man you know a lot of times we sit there and we look at guys individually and say oh they're a weak link in the offensive line but with the scheme right. you can hide that i mean i remember mm-hmm. back in the days of michael vick they ran a very similar blocking scheme you know, the old Alex Gibbs blocking scheme, they, they led the NFL in rushing for two years. Now they were last in passing, but um, for two years without having an all-pro offensive lineman or pro bowl mm-hmm. offensive lineman. So as long as they work on a thread, there are things they can do. I mean, you got to, again, you've got to have the passing threat um, to back defenses off a little bit. But, but Marcus been able to, to run it outside, either on the boot or on the just straight uh, moving pocket. That's going to create some natural run lanes. You just have to hope some of these guys can stick on their blocks long enough for the running back to make a move. I mean, the one thing they also did is they upgraded speed at running back. That's what they had mm-hmm. to do. You cannot have three yards in a cloud of AstroTurf um, run game anymore. So getting that speed where you can have somebody who can turn a, a four-yarder into a 15-yarder was vital, and, they, and they've done that. Yeah, I, I do think I'm a big fan of the Damian Williams acquisition. I think he's going to be kind of sneaky sneaky important to this offense at times, um, this year. And, but I, I'm a big, uh, big believer in, in what Tyler Algier can bring as well. Let's flip quickly over to the defensive side of the ball. We, we touched a little bit on some of the pass rushers, some of the, you know, the linebacker changes, things like that. But this, this rookie class, Troy Anderson, um, Arnold Ebicady, uh, what are the expectations for how soon they'll be incorporated into the defense? Do you think it's going to be right from the jump that they have some bigger roles? Or do you think like last year, you know, the Falcons maybe pick and choose which rookies to, to put more on their plate. Well, they're going to pick and choose. I mean, they're, they're pretty set at inside linebacker um, with Walker and uh, I'm blanking on the uh, Rashawn other, Evans. Rashawn Evans, right? He's a big, he's a big, they're both hammer guys, right? They want DMPs, mm-hmm. wants those inside guys to come downhill. Trey Anderson can do that. And eventually he's going to get into the lineup. We don't know when. Um, in terms of AB Katie, <clears throat> it won't be long. He's real. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw that. We saw that. In preseason, we saw in practices. I mean, when he puts hands on, you guys feel it. Has natural pass rushing instincts. I mean, he is a player. So he's going to be in that lineup uh, pretty quickly. You know, Malone, I think, would be a little bit more of a spot guy here and there. I mean, the one thing we did see out of him is he can drop in coverage and do some things as well. So he's not just going to be mm-hmm. a designated rusher like uh, Abacady will be. So, I mean, I think those are, are some of the, the particulars you're looking for. Uh, out of those guys right away. And again, D. Alford being the undrafted guy coming yep. from Canada, making his mark. Uh, you know, he's another guy who's going to play right away and do something. 
Do you have him kind of slotted in there at, at nickel right now, especially with Isaiah Oliver starting on IR, Mike Ford kind yep. of being, yep, so you've got D. Alford. No, he, he beat him out. Alford, they, they love him. They love him. And here's an interesting note. You know, I was talking to Dean Pease about this before the Jags preseason game. I said, do you think because he played in Canada, where the, you have all that space on the field, he's kind of a perfect fit? Like, the, it, it's helped him with the geometry of today's game. Because, you know, it's all four wide, three wide. And mm-hmm. He said, absolutely. He said he sees the field a little bit differently. He's a very good open field tackler, and he can cover. You know, the big thing with him was in the winter he was 165 pounds. You know, now he's playing closer to 180. You know, and it's a legit. It's not a pumped up 180. It's like a legit mm-hmm. hit his grown man strength, as they say. So the fact that he's added that size really makes them feel comfortable about playing him. Now, again, we just have to see – what he does when he's matched up against a Jarvis Landry or Taysom Hill or one of these guys in week one. Right. Yeah. It's a good story up at, throughout camp preseason, but then when it matters on Sunday, that's, that's when it really does. Um, sticking, you know, with the secondary, because I think DeAlford is a, is a great example of exactly what fans wanted Terry Fontenot to bring to Atlanta that he did so well in new Orleans, which was kind of find some guys out there who were maybe already in the league for a few years or playing elsewhere and, and kind of bring them in and, maybe get some of these players who other teams had passed over for one reason or another, and then they turn into productive guys here in Atlanta. We're seeing some signs of that already with, you know, I think Anthony Rush was a great example of that last year, kind of mid-season bringing him in, like just getting these types of guys. Casey Hayward, I think, is my signing of the offseason for Atlanta. Um, you know, I made a couple of uh, more mistakes, I think, in, in camp and in preseason games than I was expecting, but nothing egregious. What should our expectations be for, for a Casey Award who's entering his 11th season? His best ball is probably behind him, but how much does he have left in the tank here for Atlanta? Well, look, people thought he was done when he was with the Chargers and he goes to Raiders and the Raiders are resurrection in that scheme. And yeah. so, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think some, he, was, he was going through some learning, you know, learning curve in training camp. He's got to overcome that. But look, Casey knows opposing personnel. He knows tendencies. Um, He knows how to play in the big game. Good Lord, he's played enough of them, right? So he will play to his strengths, you know, even if he's lost a step. He will play to his strengths. They're not going to expose him, especially when you've got an A.J. Terrell on the other side who can do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, The physicality he plays with, my God, I mean, he's – boy, my my comps with him and Jalen Ramsey, I mean, he's – yeah, AJ is good. But so, you know, Hayward, look, and Hayward's going to be a good teacher. Like, he's going to help some of these young guys with coverages. You know, when they're when they're calling things out, he's going to help them recognize things as to where that communication is so vital. Like, he's going to help a D Alfred. So, yeah, I mean, Hayward, Hayward's going to be someone who's going to get teams to throw the ball a little bit more at AJ. And he's just not going to be a liability. That That's the main thing. As of right now, he, he does not look like he's done, and he, he's got plenty left. Yeah, I, I really think that just kind of solidifying and uh, with the safety position as well, Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, if they can take a step forward, if this team can at least start to build some kind of identity on the defensive side of the ball as they wait for everything to flush out, I really think that's going to help them be more balanced, win some of these closer games, avoid being blown out by the good teams like they were last year, which is all steps in the right direction. I've got two more for you, Steve, before I let you go. Um, looking ahead to Sunday, next Sunday, of course, uh, New Orleans Saints. Week one, hate week. 
How does this team match up against a, a Saints team that also feels like it could be in transition on, on the one side of the coin, but also is not? There's a lot of familiar faces. They've got stability at some positions. It seems like it'll be a good test for both clubs. Who do you like in this one? Well, look, Atlanta's going to ride the momentum they felt coming out of the preseason. They feel really good about themselves, as they should. I mean, they, they, they put some things together. Talent-wise, I'm around a lot of camps. You know, they're, they just, they're just not where some other rosters are, right? They don't have the Niners mm-hmm. roster. They don't have the Browns roster. But they've got, they've got something to them. You know, they, they've got a feeling to them. So that's why this game, they, I think it needs to be a little shock and awe. Okay. You know, if they if they try if they try to settle in and go back and forth with the Saints, that Saints defense at some point is going to catch them. I mean, they're just too strong up front. You got guys like Demario Davis, you yeah. know, who's a stud. Their secondary is legit. They'll they'll eventually catch up to them. So I think early on, Atlanta's got to come out and play well, hit some plays to get the Saints thinking a little bit. And, you know, and defensively, they've got to figure out. Jameis is, is going to be Jameis. You know, it looks like yeah. Kamara is going to be playing for the Saints. So that I mean, the Saints are a different offense when he plays. And so he's going to stress them a little bit. That's where a guy like D. Alford, you know, they're going to try to match him up on D. Alford. They're going to try and, and match him up, you know, on a Michael Walker and, and see how they hold up, you know. But they've got to also get some rush. And we know that left tackle situation is a little yeah. faulty. So they've, they've got to try to take advantage of that. Um, but the main thing they've got to do to me is they got to put some points up early. And if they can hit a couple explosive plays, we'll see. But if the game kind of settles in, I think, I think that Saints defense is, is eventually just, that's a monster, man. They've been top five or six for like three or four years in a row. And, and they will start to, to make their presence felt as the game wears on. Yeah, they, they, I really like the moves that they made in their secondary. I think it's going to be yeah. one of the, one of the better units in the league this year. Well, um, we'll we'll see with Marcus May. We'll see how that situation plays out. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> they got and Honey Badger and those guys. They got some players now. Tyron Matthew, man, I re- I remember watching the 2011 SEC Championship game where he had that punt return against Georgia. I was like in the building for that and totally took the the wind out of our sails as Bulldogs fans. But first play of the game, flea flicker to to Jared Bernhardt. That's what Steve Weish wants to see for a 65 oh. yard touchdown. <laughs> a lacrosse, a little lacrosse action. There we go. Heck yeah. Um, all right. Last one. Just big picture. 2022, your belief, maybe post-draft, kind of your vision for what the Falcons could accomplish in 2022 compared to now. Has it changed at all? Has Have you become any more optimistic, any more pessimistic, anything like that? Uh, where are your feelings for this season? Well, I think once they got through the whole Deshaun Watson flirtation, which really kind of rankled the the underbelly of what they were doing, and they opted to trade Matt Ryan, then they had a sense of, here's what we're going to be. Be a good, bad, or indifferent. They at least were able to establish identity like, we no longer have to try to build a playoff caliber team because of Matt. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to all grow together. Okay, and that's nothing against Matt. I mean, he was just a guy who was 14 years in. Right. Everybody else is young. I saw it happen when I covered the Dolphins with Dan Marino. It was a very peculiar deal at the end of his career. So their schedule is what frightens me. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna be the type of team where after every game, the opposing team is gonna be like, man, they're gonna be good next year. Right. They're gonna be like, Mm, yeah, we beat them, but they got something going here. Yeah. 
Right. Kind of like what some teams are saying at the end of the season about the Lions last year. The Falcons are going to win more than three games like the Lions. But when teams play the Lions at the end of last year, they're kind of like, uh-oh. All right, they're, 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 they're on the cup. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think, you know, I think the Falcons can be better than what people are projecting. They've got to steal a couple games early because, I mean, they're, they're going to get to a point. Look at the, de- the defensive fronts that they play the first seven games. It is a frightening, right. frightening task. Um, for that offense. So their defense is going to have to get takeaways. Here's what I'll say. Their their team will be a lot better than what people think if their defense gets takeaways. If they get at least 10 to 12 more sacks, you know, last year, 18, that, that's, come on. That's, that's criminal yeah. to get, have an 18 sacks. So, you know, record-wise, if they win as many as they did last year, I mean, I know it would be disappointing in the building, but I think that's looking at that schedule. I think that's something yep. to say, okay, all right, I you know, agree. we're different. We're a different type of team, but that's something to build on, you know, but it's, uh, it's going to be tough. I don't see them as a playoff team. I'll put it as that, but I think, I think they're going to be a team where, you know, it was kind of like that, that Serena Williams match, uh, you know, in the U S <laughs> open where at the end, everybody was tired. Both players, yeah. all the fans, like that's what competition looks like. And I think almost every game they play is going to feel like that. I think that's incredibly well said. I think that that is very inspiring. I think if you're Falcons fans, like that's all right, cool. Let's let's be that team where you finish playing and it's knocked down, drag out. And the other team is just like, yeah, we beat them. But like, we don't want to see them again next year. Right. Right. I, I think that's a great. Great goal for 2022. Steve, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time and hopping on and breaking down the Falcons. Everybody, please. Of course, everybody probably already follows the great Steve Weish on Twitter, but it's at Weish89 uh, if you do not. Steve, anything that you want to plug before I let you go? No, Will. Just uh, want to wish you the best and all your, uh, your listeners and fans uh, the best. Everything else, just watch NFL Network whenever you can. You heard him. Turn it on. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much. <laughs> You got it, Will. Thanks again to Steve Weish for joining me for today's podcast. I really hope that you guys all enjoyed uh, today's episode. Again, just a breakdown of the 2022 season, what to expect. You know, I, I thought about maybe asking him kind of the worst case scenario for Atlanta because this is the time of year that... Optimism reigns supreme, man. You know, it's like everybody gets closer to the season. And I get it because we all love football and it's a long off season and you just wait for it to be back. And it's a sport where optimism does spring eternal, right? If you're if you're a (laughs) more of a worse team, for lack of a better word, if you're finishing later in the standings, you're going to get the best players. That's how the draft is meant. And it's brilliant by the NFL to kind of keep keep that hope flowing. Right. You never want to turn off that spigot because you get the best players in the draft and maybe next season's going to be different. Well, the Falcons, again, have not been on that journey for a while. And the last time they kind of were, it came on weirdly. Right. The the Michael Vick era was supposed to be the follow up to the Chris Chandler, 98 Dan Reeves early teams. All right. We finally got the first really competent coach. Apologies to the Jerry Glanville um, stands out there. You know, I, I think that the the back and black Falcons, the uh, the dirty birds were were great. And then 
you know, Dan Reeves came in. A lot of people celebrated uh, that acquisition. A lot of people celebrated the changing of the ownership from the Smith family to Arthur Blank. And then they got Michael Vick in here and everything was hunky-dory and freaking awesome. And Atlanta was kind of the new wave of the NFL, right? And and that made it awesome. But then 20, 2007 happened. And you were right back figuring out where do we go from here? This is a different situation, but it should be kind of categorized the same way because it is a where do they go from here scenario. Now, it all didn't happen overnight. It obviously does not involve legal issues, things like that. A coach, I, you know, I don't anticipate Arthur Smith leaving uh, 13 games through this season. You never know, but I would be shocked if that happens. So it's, it's a little bit different. But for all intents and purposes, you're looking for that next Matt Ryan. And maybe Desmond Ritter can be that, but we don't know yet. So this season's going to be a little weird. This season's going to test, I think, our ability to watch football critically, our ability to pick and choose what is important, what matters for the future, what is fool's gold. You know, the Cordero Patterson season last year is awesome. It gave us something to talk about. It was honestly a lifeline, I think, for a lot of people who cover this team because, you know, peek behind the curtain, it is tough. It is really, really, really tough. And I appreciate every single one of you guys who continued to read my articles for AtlantaFalcons.com. I joined 2017, so right after post-Super Bowl year. They kind of got worse every single year that I was there with the team. And it was hard. And it it is not easy to cover... Um, a team in the NFL who is, you know, kind of floundering and and near the bottom. The Falcons are taking steps, I think, to correct that and move in the right direction. I've been wrong before. I could be wrong about this. We could be sitting here a year from now talking about an entirely different regime. We have no idea, but I don't think that's the case. I do trust a lot of the moves Terry Fontenot has made. I do trust, uh, you know, kind of what I've heard from Arthur Smith. But I trust what I heard from Dan Quinn. And so that is where I'm challenging myself to really, really look closely at everybody that they brought in here, how they're developing. You know, coaches love to say players progress early in their careers. Year one to year two, you see a jump. Year two to year three, you see a jump. All right, let's see it in the coaching. Let's see it in the roster management. Let's see it in the identity of this team. You're in year two. Let's see a little bit of a jump. Now, I think that. It's reasonable to expect the record for this team to be worse in 2022 than it was in 2021. A lot of that does have to do with the quarterback position. But a lot of it, as Steve pointed out, has to do with the scheduling. And they're going to be playing a really, really tough schedule. But they played a tough schedule last year. Every year. I think a lot of teams sit around and, and look out and they're like, man, we got a we got a tough 2023 coming up. We better be good. And every single team can say that around the league because, you know, parity exists in the NFL and a lot of teams are good. And I think the Falcons can surprise some people, but I've got 2023 really penciled as the year that, that they really, really do take a step forward. If they can do that in 2022, then the ceiling, I think, of this team should be raised. But as of right now, I've got a little bit of a lower floor. I've got a little bit of a lower ceiling. I'm not expecting too much from this Falcons team, but I am going to watch them very, very closely. And I anticipate that you all will do the same. I I hope that you will do the same. And I implore you 
to do the same because that is kind of what I think this Falcon season is going to be for the coaches, for the players, and for us, the fans. We should be watching individual players. We should be watching individual plays. Finding answers for the future is going to continue to be my theme for the 2022 season. And that is how we should approach it. So let's get on to it, man. Let, let's, let's start this 2022 season. I hope that you guys will continue to join us for the entire ride. Please let everybody else know where they can find us. Um, and we're going to be here breaking it all down. But this year is going to be a little bit different, I think, than last year. We're probably going to cover it a little bit different, um, uh, differently, I should say. Adverbs are important. Um, so, you know, maybe a little bit of a different vibe for the for the show this year, but it, it could be a little bit more analytical, which is, you know, my wheelhouse. I'm not going to speak for Ovi. I'm sure that he's still going to be able to bring the uh, the player knowledge, which is definitely his wheelhouse. So hopefully it's a good mix because he's been on teams in transition. He was there for the 2007 year. So I'm really excited to kind of get his thoughts on that specifically and, and just what does turning that ship look like? What does it feel like inside of the locker room? How do coaches kind of explain that to the players and get them to buy in? Um, because this is, I think, going to be a really fun and interesting Falcon season. I don't know if it'll be successful, but I hope you guys stay tuned and follow along with us for the entirety of it. Um, and today's podcast, as always, is presented by Bet Online. We're here. It's hate week. Again, dial up the anger. Just be a little more aggressive to, to those in your life. Not, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. We, we, we want to love the people we love. Love is love, right? But if there are any Saints fans in your life, just, just tell them to kick rocks for at least the next week. Um, because hate week is here. Get ready. We've got a lot of fun stuff um, coming this week. We will be breaking down the Falcon-Saints matchup later this week with former Saints receiver Terrence Moore is going gonna, is gonna to join me. Um, we also have our 100th episode coming up. So Ovi and I are going to do a mailbag. Please send in your questions. Uh, shoot us a DM on Twitter or reply. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet out and just ask for mailbag questions anyway. So feel free to, to reply to that tweet or send us an email. Believe in Falcons, B-L-E-A-V at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts or want us to cover anything on the podcast, we are happy to do so. But get ready for football week. It is here, it is upon us, and as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.